Welcome to Into the Fire. I'm Duncan. And I'm Kate. And we're here to talk about life. The good, the bad, and the ugly. So come join the conversation. Okay, well, it's good to be back with you today on today's podcast. And I've got some really um, great friends with us who are visiting us actually in Raleigh. And Ben and Sarah Jackson are part of Catch the Fire Toronto and on the global Catch the Fire team, the world lead team. And um, I wanted to just have some conversation, Ben and Sarah, with you today. It's great to have you with us. Oh, it's great to be here with you, Kate. And um, it's it's been interesting. We've been trying to facilitate this podcast this week and, you know, this subject about how we balance family and ministry. And Ben and Sarah are both active in ministry. Ben has a full-time job um, as the executive di- director in Toronto at Catch the Fire and on the global ministry. And Sarah compliments you in ministry. And she's a mom taking care of three young daughters at this time. So, you know, even that is a juggle, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, we're living it every day. You know? So we're living it this week. Our kids are downstairs playing right now. We're hoping that, you know, everything goes smoothly and we can talk to you guys. And the baby's sleeping. So as That's long as right. the baby sleeps, we have a few minutes. So, you know, um, and just even like you say, we've been living this every day. We've been planning day to day what we're going to do who's going to help care for the girls alongside you. And, you know, so this is one of those subjects that over the years in my life in ministry, many women, many mothers in particular, have actually asked Duncan and I, how do you do it? How do you travel when you've got a young family? How do you actually manage to get out of the door looking half decent? Um, You know, not having food on your clothes. You manage to take care of your hair and your makeup and so that you don't look like you've rolled out of bed and you know just the challenges of of juggling so many hats of being a a mom a wife a carer um somebody that's a pastor in ministry and still trying to keep your home life in check you know how do you do the housework How, how do you actually fit in those things that many a time are quite mundane when you're raising children so Ben and Sarah, you're in the thick of it right now. And I wonder if you could just tell us a little bit about your family, what stages your children are at. Yeah, absolutely. We've got um, three young daughters, a five-year-old, a three-year-old, a one-year-old. So we're right in the thick of it. We've got kids in kids in diapers um, and potty training and all of that, you know, right in the thick of, of parenting young kids. And it's a lot of fun. It brings us a whole lot of joy. And... Uh, it's you know I often laugh at the fact that when I'm at work I've got lots of people that are there ready to listen and to do what I ask them to do and those sorts of things and then I get home and it feels like nobody wants to listen to me and do what I say and I have to chase them around (laughs) to get them in pajamas at the end of the day and you know all those sorts of things and but and so it's this this crazy dichotomy between trying to kind of thrive in work life and thrive in family life and do both at the same time. Yeah, it is certainly a full-on season of life. And I think uh, for us, uh, 
loving and being intentional with our daughters is a huge priority for us. Um, we both grew up actually with our parents as pastors uh, in different seasons. And um, one of our great priorities is that we don't sacrifice our children on the altar of ministry uh, because we believe that the, uh, the children the Lord has given us are our greatest priority and our greatest ministry. And um, I, I certainly believed that before we had children. Uh, but the rubber really hits the road when you have children. And sometimes that requires sacrifices that requires a change of life, a change of perspective, uh, perhaps not even being able to do the number of things that we did ministry wise before. And as each of our children have come along, we've had to make adjustments in order for us to thrive in in family life and in ministry life and to prioritize the things that are that are important for us and for us as a family and really go back to the Lord, I think, for both of us to say, Lord, what is it that you want us to invest in in this season? That's really good, Sarah. And you talked about priorities and, you know, how would you explain your priorities in list of order of importance when it comes to your relationship and your family relationship and everything else that you do? I think we, you know, we definitely agree that that our marriage and, and family is first and it has to come first. And that feels like such a twee question thing to say. You know, I've heard so many people say, you know, it's God and then it's my spouse and then it's my kids and then it's ministry after that. Um, but we've had some really robust conversations about that to make sure that it is something we really uh, actually follow, that we actually do. And it's really, really important. And um, I often, you know, I've often thought about it in terms of, when my daughters actually leave home, how am I going to look back on these last, you know, 18, 19 years? And am, am I going to look back and think, oh, man, I really wish I spent more time emailing and having work phone conversations at home? Or do I really wish I spent more time doing ministry trips? I don't think so. I think I'm going to think I wish I spent more time just listening to my daughter's heart and playing Lego on the floor and changing diapers and you know those kinds of things and so uh, that tends to be a really good filter for me in those moments when I'm getting frustrated those moments where I'm thinking man I've just got so much to do I try to pause and say hang on a second how am I going to feel about this when River our eldest girl is is leaving home going to university slow down just be present with her because you know and everybody says it don't they everyone says oh these years just fly by I think when you're in the midst of it and you're changing your hundredth diaper that week, you just, you feel like, seriously, this is not flying by for me. But now our eldest is five and I just, I feel like I've blinked and she's, you know, suddenly growing up so rapidly and now she's at school and all of that kind of thing. And I, I'm well aware that these days are precious and we don't want to lose them. So we genuinely try our best to put family first whenever we're making decisions and, um, and to put their well-being first. And, you know, there's obviously compromises in that, but that that is our primary prioritization system, I would say. Wow, that's really good, Ben. And uh, you're so right. I think raising children when you're in the thick of it, your your girls are, are at that preschool age. Um, you know, in North America, they start full grade school at age six. And I remember those days and it was like the best of times and the worst of times all together because there's something about your children that will push the buttons in your heart. And, you know, often your inclination is, leave me alone, I need some peace. But actually the very best thing 
to do in those occasions is like you were saying that, okay, I need to be present because sitting down and playing Lego is really important to my daughter. Therefore, it needs to be important to me. And like you say, there are the contexts for really getting into their hearts and um, finding out what what's going on. And, yeah. you know, one of the things that Duncan and I have always really kind of prioritized as a family is that if we can have one meal together in the evening, sit down and have a conversation, especially, you know, when you stop, it stopped feeling like a feeding frenzy at the zoo over meal times because I know they can be very stressful times. But as the as our girls got older, just sitting down over a meal, if it was just half an hour, just asking the girls, "How was your day? What did you do? What was fun? What was challenging?" And then it's in those contexts that they begin to open up their hearts, and again, you realize those moments are precious. So it sounds like you are seeing the value of doing that. And um, I just want to commend you and anyone else that's listening that are, that are in those moments where you feel so frustrated. Can't you see who I am? I'm an important person at work. And then I come home and here I am changing diapers and helping my wife cook food or put the trash out. And, you know, it really challenges who you are actually when you begin to look at some of those priorities um so sarah is, was there anything else that you might want to add to that one about you know priorities for you in that context as a family well i did just nip downstairs because Ooh. life and fun and kids they're right in the middle of things so i don't know quite what i missed but i i know one of the priorities for us is that we we partner um together to parent our children and for for us, you know, even with um, with Ben's job and being out, he we parent together. That it's not he's working, and I'm raising the children. Because I was like, if we're having children, we're going to parent children together, and um, really making sure that they have a really present mother and father, and that we are emotionally connected. We're prioritizing their needs and their hearts. And learning to discover that. That's really good. Co-parenting. Yeah. It's the way it should be, a mother and a father. Yeah, I'm, and I'm proud, you know, to to champion that cause even with other dads and just be like, come on, get stuck in, be, you know, be totally immersed in, in the ugly side of parenting as well as the glamorous side of parenting. And, you know, we we obviously grew up as part of a generation that seems to be embracing that more. Our parents' generation... Uh, just the way that the kind of culture and the generation worked, our, our parents, our fathers weren't particularly kind of present in those early years for the kind of nitty gritty of parenting. You know, my dad was a farmer. He was out on the farm. I don't think he ever changed any diapers. That's no shame on him. But I think in this generation, there's there's much more expectation. And I actually love it that dads get in there and they're doing the same stuff. And I try when I get home from work, um, sometimes I'm just like my brain feels fried. But when I get home from work, I try to say, okay, babe, like I'm all in. What do you need me to do? Like, let me kind of take over. If you need a break, take a break. Or if you, you know, that kind of thing. Because um, I'm just well aware that she's been, she's already been doing her job for eight or nine hours that day, uh, looking after the kids full time. And then I want to 
you know, not expect her to keep on doing that right up until bedtime and everything as well. It's definitely teamwork for sure. And, you know, my heart goes out to single parents in these times because I remember myself when Duncan used to come home from work and I was like, take them, take them. And I would remember the frustration and like, I just need a break where nobody's pulling on my legs. I can sit down with a cup of tea and I'm not going to be disturbed for two minutes at least, five minutes. And, you know, what what is your viewpoint on supporting single mums or dads that find themselves in situations where they they don't have a co-parent, they're raising children alone, and you know church family community is such an important concept and an important thing for any parents that find themselves in those situations. Gosh, I mean, it, it, it's it's so hard to even imagine just being in that situation but we you know we have a few friends that are that are kind of living that life and it's it's full on for them 24 hours a day and I think just coming alongside them it's not even trying to do the practical things for them and saying let me parent your child or let me have them for a few hours although I'm sure they'd be blessed by that but I've what I've noticed is they just want people to come alongside them and just be in community. Like, hey, could we just parent in the same house for a few hours together? Could we just have some adult conversation? Could we, you know, those sorts of things? Yeah, I think, um, you know, the the importance of emotional support. You know, parenting is can be very wearing and emotionally draining and. Um, having people who are calling you and who are saying, hey, how are you doing? How can we, can I pray for you? Can, what do you need today? How can I, how can I support you? You know, it's a, it's a, you know, it's Labor Day this weekend. Do you want to come and join us um, and inviting, inviting people into family? Because actually, you know, my vision will be that, you know, the church is a representation of the family of God and family invites people in. And, uh, you know, just just choosing to do that with, with the community around us. And some people are, are single parenting all the time. Some people are solo parenting because of their spouse's job commitments. How do we invite all those who are uh, solo parenting for whatever reason into life, into emotional support, into practical support? Um, I, to me, is a real importance. That's really good, um, Ben and Sarah. And when I recall our times... Um you know, when we had young children, it was just as easy to have another family in the home, share food together. You know, the house would be a mess because all the toys were out, the dress up box was everywhere. But it was so worth it and so important for that emotional support that you you were talking about. And um, I realize even that in itself is a ministry where you're willing just to share your life and share your family for, for those precious moments and create memories and, and create memories for those solo, solo parents or single parents at the time. Wow, there's so much on this subject. But, um, you know, one of the questions people have asked me, women in particular, Sarah, is how do you follow all that God's put in your heart to do? Um, you know, you know you've got a calling, you've had all those amazing prophetic words you've got dreams in your own heart and you know when you're raising children you often feel that your life has come to a bit of of a standstill when it comes to those 
important areas in your heart. Um, how, how are you, Sarah, able to walk out the promises of God and the calling on your life and balance that and prioritize your family still in the midst of that? Oh, good question, Kate. Well, certainly for me, um, when I when I um, had our children, I'd been pastoring in the school of ministry for uh, quite a few years, probably over a decade, and it was certainly a, an abrupt change of pace and focus to go from meeting um, with young adults, pastoring all those you know fun things, to suddenly being at home and sort of thinking, I'm sweeping the floor for times and um, you know changing diapers day and night uh, you know that was certainly an abrupt change of pace and it really um, caused me to seek the Lord in that especially in that time because I knew the call of God on my life I knew all those prophetic words I knew what burned in me and suddenly I was needing to uh, embrace a new season of that and 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 really uh, I think for me one of the big things was pressing into listening to the father and saying would you give me your perspective on this season would you give me your perspective on what I need to be what I need to be doing and, and certainly for me investing in our daughters in this early season of life would be a huge priority. You know, I've spent 20 years pastoring young adults and ministering to them and seeing God bring transformative healing in their hearts because of the things that happened in their early years. And it would be a huge priority to me. And God would keep showing me that perspective of you're now investing in the next generation. You're now living what you believe um, in your family. It was, I mean, definitely a change of, of pace for me. Uh, and certainly there were there were times where I, I really struggled, to be honest, and thought, you know, I would so I would rather be in an intensely difficult meeting, in a confrontation meeting with someone who's refusing to, you know, to change than I would be, you know, changing diaper number 47 back here on the home front. There are definitely days where I'm like, oh, God, what am I doing? This is hard. And it really challenged, I would say, where my where my self-worth was based. You know, do I feel that I'm, you know, beloved and then I'm living out the call of God in my life when it doesn't look how it's looked in the past and being able to embrace that season. I'm sure you've experienced that too, Kate, but for many of the mums listening, you've, you know, it's not necessarily glamorous being at home, even though it's fabulous and joy filled. And there are moments that I'm just like, this is so precious and it's going to go in an instant. But there are times that it is, I'm like, this takes me to the end of myself more than anything I've ever done in any work life or ministry life. I had no clue how quickly I could, you know, the ugliness of my heart could be revealed. And, you know, that's been an exciting journey too. So learning to balance that and, you know, if we're going to get nice and real and honest here, learning not to be jealous. When Ben, when I was like, I remember one season where I was sitting there thinking, I'm here at home and I'm sweeping the floor and wiping the table and putting toys away. And the doors of opportunity for Ben are swinging wide open. And that little orphan place in my heart is like, what about me? What about me? I want the doors of opportunity to swing open. And I'm like, 
it's just the doors of the toy chest that are swinging open in my life and (laughs) (laughs) just you know taking that moment of like lord this is where you've placed me in this season now it's been it's been fantastic with ben um you've he's he's very supportive and fabulous but you know for me getting to you know tag teaming so that I can go out in the evening he puts the girls down to beds so that I can go to different meetings or you know so I can go away and speak somewhere at a weekend we've we've definitely done that but then then I you know to be honest I was faced with the reality of in the past when I would prepare for things I would be I would take a whole Saturday a whole weekend to sit in silence and contemplate and ponder. And you know what? Three children under five don't really give you very much of that time. And so then I'm like, Lord, how do I prepare? How do I hear you in this season where I thought I needed six hours of silence and that's no longer available? And learning to hear him, learning to prepare, learning to be far more pre-prepared than I used to be. It's brought a lot of change, but a lot of good change. Wow, that's uh, that's incredible and so many valid points there. And, you know, I just want to validate that, Sarah, that the, the challenge that you don't have the luxury of time. Many of our prayers are arrow prayers, um, you know, and yet it really does push the buttons of our own identity. And do we trust God to open the doors at the right time in our lives? And, you know, like you said, you come to the end of yourself so many times, but yet in that place, there's an opportunity for the beginning of Christ. And and I remember just going through that whole comparison. It's not fair. You know, Duncan gets the opportunity. Here I am just doing all the mundane. And I had to come to a place just like you where I was okay. I was doing this unto the Lord. I was doing this because I was sowing in to my children who I wanted them to be healthy in some of the areas that I hadn't necessarily felt I'd grown up in as much health in certain emotional areas. Um, so, you know, hang on women, hang on mums. you know, if you're going through it. One of the things I did, Sarah, and I don't know how this um, goes with you, but I used to do practical things to make sure that I didn't stay at home wallowing. One of the things that we believe God worked for was a second car or the means to be able to get out of the house, go and walk, go down to a park, try and meet up with adults at certain points in the week. So I felt like I had adult company and not just dealing with um, little screaming children, whiny children, that sort of thing. And um, that, for me, really gave me life, just walking the road with other mothers that were going through this too. Yeah, that's so important, really is. Um, I run a mums group on Friday mornings with a bunch of the mums in our church. And um, I, I that's I love it. I love the relationship. I love the emotional support. I love... The, the spiritual life that we practice. And there's something wonderful about it. I remember when we first started and Ben would be would ask, oh, did you have a really good catch up with everyone? And I sort of laughed because, you know, when you're at home with lots of little kids running around, 
you start 27 conversations and may not finish any of them <laughs> or you know and and for me I was like I want we're, we're gonna pray together we're gonna invite the Holy Spirit to come and sometimes we are just actually dealing with really deep heart issues and someone's screaming someone's climbing your leg but you, you I'm like I we are learning to pray a minister even in imperfection in you know, because there's sometimes where we're like, what are the perfect circumstances to encounter mm. God and to minister? And I'm like, you know what? It may be that you're someone's still praying loudly from in the bathroom whilst they're helping their little toddler to potty train and someone's sharing a prophetic word whilst they're, you know, getting the kid off the bookcase that they've climbed up. But we're doing it. This is this is real life with God as mums. And we we have I've been so deeply ministered to as well as feeling like here we are living real life because um, sometimes church can be challenging if you're you know you're just getting to the ministry time and you've got to run and pick the kids up from kids ministry or you know you're trying to pray for somebody and your, your children are you know swarming around like sort of you know cats running off in every direction um, but those moments where you are encountering God through one another and oh it's it's one of my favorite ex experiences so if if that's you I just thought let's just start inviting girls over to my house I was like anyone want to come on a Friday morning and you know it just grew into a weekly thing and mm. you don't have to be super qualified to do that you, no, you just need to have a space that you're not. willing for people to come put the coffee pot on get a pot of tea you know it's so true and you know I think as well having been a, a pastor for many years for other mothers and families to see that your life is chaotic and family can be messy as well I think it just validates that season for many families that we're all going through it we're all coping with messy church messy life and that's okay because God knew that children needed to be like that yeah it's true and we sort of have a joke in our mum's group where um, some of the girls have said you know whatever mum's group prays for it happens. Wow. Like if you bring it to mum's group, you know, God's going to move. And I'm like, come Fantastic. on. That is, that's such a testimony of, of God in the messiness. That's, that's great. Thanks, Sarah. And over to you, Ben, you know, um, Sarah mentioned that you facilitate in many ways her calling and probably even going the extra mile to give to her. And um, yes, he's an amazing husband. We know that, Sarah, already. <laughs> but, you know, what do you do to be intentional about really helping Sarah be fulfilled in some of those spiritual gifts? You know, she's a seasoned prophet in the church. She gets opportunities to speak around the world. You know, how do you make room for your superstar wife there? Yeah, well, she is a superstar, that's for sure. Um, I, it's so it's so interesting. We we had a prophetic word a number of years ago, I think before we even had children, um, about us balancing family and ministry really well. And we just grabbed a hold of that and said, okay, we're going to, you know, yeah, that's a victory I'm willing to claim. And then, you know, it started to dawn on me that that wasn't just my ministry, that, that was actually Sarah's ministry too. And... Um, and so that actually means me like balancing the family while she's balancing the ministry sometimes. And I remember there was another prophetic word a number of years ago about um, me holding a baby and Sarah preaching at the front. And, you know, that's certainly not all of the time, but it's a, it's a very real reality. And it's something that I'm so prepared to do. We've had a good number of Sundays where 
I'm leading worship and then I come off the platform and I run over to Sarah wherever she is with the kids and I'll take the baby and then she can get up there and preach or she can get up there and MC or do what she needs to do and we're just kind of tag teaming it just you know running with it and like Sarah was saying it's so funny because sometimes you want to be able to just be in the most spiritual place where I've just done all this this preparation and sometimes it's just not practical so we try and tag team as much as possible um, and I try to also, you know, do what I can to give Sarah the space to um, remember that she's a spiritual person and not just a practical person and actually be able to commune with the Lord with some peace and quiet. And one of the things I've learned is not to be too prescriptive about that, that if I say, here, you have 55 minutes, go to Starbucks and talk to Jesus. That may not actually open up the space <laughs> in her heart that she needs. So uh, for me, it's just a matter of trying to continually um, offer support and be aware that the support I might want to offer is not necessarily the support that she needs in that moment. So I need to be really flexible. It's not just my idea of what what looking after the kids looks like. It's actually dealing with some of the practical things or um you know doing the ugly side of parenting or the boring side of parenting or those kinds of things and being prepared to do that that's really good ben and um i remember john and carolina saying to duncan and i as we were in our early days of being in their team in toronto and john particularly pulling duncan aside and said saying to him you know you're going to have to intentionally step back to allow Kate to grow in confidence and step forward. And I think when you're an alpha type male and you know you're anointed, that's actually a challenge because I now have to make a choice as to whether I'm going to serve my wife in this area. And it sounds like you're aware of that dynamic, even in your own relationship. Um, has, that, has that been an easy dynamic or you know, have you made some blunders uh, along the way that you could perhaps give some hope to other couples in? Because, you know, marriage isn't easy. It's a work in progress. And often if your marriage is good, then your kids are happy. It's yeah. like a spillover. I, I'm sure Sarah will think of better examples than me. But I remember, um, you know, when we first got together, Sarah actually had so much more experience than me at preaching and all those sorts of things. And um, so it was almost like the role reversal uh, at, I was a bit like, hey, uh, hey, give me a look in, please. Like, give me a chance here. And um, she's trying to grab the microphone mate from me so I don't, you know, say anymore. But uh, I know Sarah was amazing. And actually, intentionally, she made the steps to kind of um, make space and allow me to to kind of step up and grow in that area. Uh, but and now in this season uh, where I have, a, you know, a number of responsibilities and all these different things going on, uh, I do have to be quite intentional about saying, okay, chill out, relax, Ben, try and make some space and, and um, let Sarah take it. Yes, um, I remember in those early years, we would host meetings together and I, I'd I'd done that for a while. I love, I love doing that. And I'm like, yeah, Ben, just, and I'd grab the mic and I'd flow prophetically and maybe share some, you know, thoughts, announcements, and I'd hand the mic over to Ben and he would just sort of look at me and later on he'd be like, babe, I, you didn't leave me anything to say. And I'm like, well, babe, there are always things to say, but we had to, we had to really communicate and I had to really hear him that where things weren't working. And I think we really prioritize communication in our marriage. 
Because when we've hit things that have been difficult, where we're on different pages, that we really have an agreement that we're not going to move forward unless we're both on the same page. And and that, you know, we've we've had to really wrestle through learning to listen to one another and hear each other's hearts and ask each other, what do you need? You know, what do you need? Because there are times that, you know, Ben uh, has very intense weeks, ministry weeks, work weeks, where he comes home and you know, I'm tired, but I look at him and I think, you you need some quiet time. And I was really looking forward to sort of handing our daughters to you and heading off to have some alone time. But I need to keep going for another two hours because I can see that you, you're so frazzled and learning to tra- love and prioritize one another. Mm. I mean, actually, you know, to be honest, there are times when Ben's like, oh, you should you should do that on Sunday. I could probably take the girls. And there are times when it I realize it's almost more challenging to step up into to the energy and the focus they all need to to host a meeting, to preach, to take some opportunity. It would almost be easier for me to sit in the background with the girls sometimes than to be like, okay, switch hats from, you know, have you eaten your Cheerios to Holy Spirit, what are you doing in, you know, in this corporate setting? And um, there are times when that feels it has been a bumpy change of gears. I'm a bit like, ah, yes, Lord, but but phenomenal times. Every time I've said yes to God, it's been he's met me there. That's so good, Sarah. And, you know, that balance is so important because, you know, at what cost are you going to step up into ministry? And I remember, you know, the end of the day, you don't always feel like going out and joining a meeting. But then there are other times you feel really invigorated and I just want to go and hang out with some friends. And I think that communication as a couple is so important. And I think, you know, as we're growing in our relationships, it's learning to realize that there are trigger points with one another. And I had that dynamic, Ben, that, you know, I used to say to Duncan, why? I I didn't know how to get in. You didn't give me a word in edgewise. And so I just need you to stop talking. And, you know, that was received probably not in the best way. And knowing me, I probably didn't say it in the best way. And, you know, for, for us, and I don't know whether for you, we had other people in our life like John and Carol that have really been pastoring us and fathering and mothering us that we could get really real and vulnerable and and talk about how that hurt us when that happened. You know, have you had role model couples that maybe are a little bit further along in the parenting or, you know, ministry process that have been able to really help you work through some of these tensions? Oh, definitely. We really value the importance of having people who can speak into your life and who can call you on stuff or who you can just be like, Blah. here is the vulnerable, messy grittiness of our lives. Please give us deep wisdom and solve all of our problems. Well, they haven't always solved all of our problems, but they have given us wisdom. Um, Gordon and Kathy Harris have been an incredible um, mentoring couple for us for many years. And, you know, seeing how they live life um, t- together and I think one of the things I love in Catch the Fire is there is such a modeling of couples together in ministry now that doesn't mean that you're the same that doesn't mean they have the same giftings but they're they're together they're they're living ministering together in whatever ways the Lord has called them and um, 
we we've really uh, loved that we have dear friends Alan AJ who are a few years ahead of us and one of the things they spoke to us about was gathering community around us we live far away from our families so we don't have mum down the road that I can be like mum can I drop the kids off for an hour we don't have any of that um, but God has really gathered a group of sort of young adults around us who are our village our extended family and that's just been vital that's so good and I think you know um we were in the same position as immigrants not always having family definitely parents that were there to to drop everything and come and help babysit or whatever and so friends that have become family was really important and you know when you were saying about you know Ben coming off the stage and taking the baby so that you could get up there I was I was thinking about some of our friends in our church community, particularly that um, would take the baby, would hold the baby, would go and feed the baby, go and, you know, whatever, take them, go and play with them. And um, we were very conscious and, and really helped our children understand that their aunties and uncles that were adopted yeah. were really important to them and they were safe and they were like mum and dad's best friends. And if they couldn't have grandparents and they couldn't have us, just going and being with best friends was really settling for our children. And, and they had so much fun in that process too. Um, so it sounds like you've got people around you that kind of step in in that way when you need them to. Yeah, absolutely. It's, and it's really important to find those people. And, you know, the flip side of it is that we've tried to give our daughters a voice into who they like being around and who they don't like being around. Very and good point. Sometimes that's a challenge because we actually really like the parents, but they don't like being with the kids or, you know, vice versa. But just taking the time to actually listen to our kids and hear who who does this work with you for? Who do you who do you actually feel heart connected with? Who are you comfortable going to? Um, so it's not just a, um, a, a practical thing of us offloading the children but it's actually something that's a life-bringing thing for them too that's so important that yeah that we're more aware these days that our children really will speak and I remember you know our oldest daughter she used to really intentionally test some of our babysitters and you know sometimes that did not go well for her and the babysitter came down a bit hard and she would be very vocal. I don't want to go and I don't want so-and-so to look after us because they don't do this or they made me do this. And while there was a little bit of cheekiness in that, there was actually the heart behind it was, mum and dad, I'm missing you and I need, I need to feel safe around the people that you're, you're choosing. And so that's, that's been a bit of a faith journey just to even believe that God's going to take care of your kid's heart, that you can do your best in selecting, but there's always elements of their life that you can't control. Yeah. And, you know, a journey that we're on at the moment, and we're by no means experts on this, we're trying to figure it out right now, is the reality of us being imperfect as parents and allowing our children to see that, actually allowing them to be aware that we make mistakes sometimes and us apologizing to them and owning the moments where we've raised our voice or we've become frustrated or we didn't listen to them or you know those sorts of things and uh, and that actually that's a healthy thing because sometimes it's so tempting as parents for us to try and be perfect all the time but 
all that demonstrates to them is that they need to struggle to try and be perfect as well. So we're we're hoping as we're learning on this journey that by us demonstrating, hey, sometimes we make mistakes, you know, oh, what I said then was wrong or I could have said that better, that they learn that it's actually okay. It's okay to fumble through life and be imperfect and being good enough is is okay. It's really good. Yeah. Um, it, it just came to mind then, but I remember a really defining moment when I was about seven, eight years old and uh, at bedtime one day with my mum and crying and saying, I, I really miss you. You're, you're out a lot. And, you know, they, they, you know, there were lots of evening commitments in the church that they were part of. And I remember my mum hearing me, uh, apologizing to me and they changed, they changed their world in order to be out less. And I remember that as a really defining memory of I I'm I'm important to you and that you like you know they took the t- they didn't just explain it away but they they apologized they you know they they changed something in order to prioritize me and I I, I really I really want to model that with the kids of how do we just say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Like, would you, you know, would you forgive me? And to be honest, it's much easier to model that between us in front of the children than it is to try and get them to model it with each other. You know, trying to get a three-year-old to repent and forgive a five-year-old for like bashing her over the head with the unicorn. You know, uh, you know, there's the gritty reality of my life right now. But I'm, I'm like, wow, it's much easier for Ben and I model it in front of them. <laughs> we know what to do. And um, I, I love that because I think they're going to grow up with tools that we've never had. That's so good, Sarah. I think that whole key of learning to forgive. And, you know, that's one of the greatest tools that we've learned um, from John and Carol as being one of their primary messages. And I remember Miss Daphne in kids ministry, she taught our, our girls to forgive, release and bless. And that was the, the best tool that we had for our children because they would come home from church or being at school and they would say, so-and-so did that to, to me today. It really hurt me. And we would begin to help them walk through forgiveness. And, and they, they began to get it. And they, they understood it when they saw it, like you say, between mum and dad. You know, we were willing to say we were wrong. Please forgive us. We were too harsh on you or we didn't listen to you. Whatever it was, I think humility is... Parenting will keep you humble if you allow it. Uh, but yeah, I think the best, the fruitfulness and, you know, I just want to encourage you on in that because, you know, now our girls are all young adults. One of them is married and she's raising her own children to, you know, to forgive and, and to walk in a, an open heart. Um, but, you know, it's such a vital tool that even when they're older, you can have some really healthy confrontation sessions with your children and still have to apologize you know different things and in different ways but the the tools are still as powerful and you know just maybe a final question to you both what advice would you give to younger couples that maybe haven't started having children or even older couples on this subject that maybe didn't have a healthy parental upbringing 
and now they're sort of seeing the fruit in some of their own children. Now, how would you encourage them and maybe re restore some hope to some of those people that maybe feel that they really did mess up? What would you say to bring some hope to them? Yeah, well, what a question. I mean, I, I think to younger couples, I'd just say, go for it, be present, love the season of, of having kids. It's an amazing, there's so much joy to be found in having kids together and growing together. It's going to stretch you in ways you never imagined and you'll be a better person for it. I think, you know, people who have been, who have already got their kids have grown up or are well on this journey I don't think it's ever too late to start heart connecting with your kids and it's never too late to to say sorry and it's never too late to um, build those those bridges of, of heart connection you know we have a friend who when he was in his 40s 50s he finally had a heart connection with his dad just you know a year or two before his dad died and it was a massive pivotal moment in his life and it's just, it's never too late to have that connection and to say those things. And it's never too late to be who you could have been. Yeah, well, you took you took my line because I was going to say it's never too late. But <laughs> but I, I really believe that it's never too late to take the, the low road. And I, I think, you know, the older I get, the more I realize the importance of, like you said, just being able to be humble, being able to own your stuff, even if it's... It, it, if it's feels really ugly, but to, to begin to communicate love because, you know, it's, it's, it's God's kindness that, you know, the, the, the word says it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. And I think where there's disconnection and relationship, um, trying to tell the other person why they're wrong, uh, doesn't, I've never really seen that lead to reconnection. But actually, when we when we're kind, when we exhibit the heart of our heavenly Father, um, which is loving and for us and encouraging, and when we own our stuff and, and come in repentance, I believe the Lord is so able to bring reconciliation and restoration and to heal to heal hearts. That's really good. You know, God is in the business of restoring things that have been broken and we we've we know that and we've seen it in many other areas so thank you everyone for listening today and thank you to ben and sarah for being our guests here um you know just know that god is in the business of restoring if you're in that place but also know that you have a vital place as a parent in your children's lives and you know investing in small pieces on a daily and a weekly basis will pay dividends and you will be blessed so we bless all of you just to to go for it and know that god's with you even in the season of life of parenting mm. so thanks again you too oh, thanks kate